Welcome back to The Siding Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, on this week's episode, we are going to do another part of our Behind the Bikes project. And this week, we have Jennifer Duffy, who works within the American racing team as a mind coach. Am I maybe saying that wrong? But I'm going (laughs) to let Jennifer introduce herself to the podcast and give you guys a better idea of what she does. So over to you, Jennifer. Hi guys, um, firstly, thank you for obviously having me on. Um, so I'm Jen and I am a human performance coach for the American racing team. Uh, this is my first season with this team, uh, but previously um, I've worked with several different other teams in multiple different disciplines internationally, both uh, with two wheels and four wheels. Uh, and this is my 13th, uh, 13th season um, working within the racing industry. Brilliant. So... I suppose then our first question is, was it always sort of a dream of yours or the avenue that you wanted to go down working within motorcycle racing? Or how did you decide that that was something? Yeah, it was always. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So um, to cut a super long story short, basically at 13 years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. um, And I wanted to 100% work in motorcycle racing in some way, shape or form. So I grew up pretty much next to Ipswich Speedway. Um, so every Thursday night at usage of five um, on it and then you know growing up and, and being in high school I started to understand sports science a little bit more and um, for me even as a 13 year old I was a little bit obsessed I guess with why um, some athletes seem to uh, perform um, in a certain way under a certain pressure and maybe not perform in a certain way under a different sort of pressure so for me um, yeah I always just took an interest in that and it came from uh, watching watching Speedway basically and being really frustrated with my favorite favorite athlete <laughs> um, at the time as a kid, perhaps not getting the results perhaps that he deserved and not understanding why. So um, yeah, 13 years old is when I decided what I was gonna do. And at 21, about three weeks after I graduated, um, I did it, I got my first, my first job in racing. Yeah, that sounds actually great. <laughs> like seeing women who are interested from the very beginning of their childhood and then make a career out of it. Um, I imagine that you had to study something specific to get where you are right now or do an apprenticeship. What did you actually do to start off your career? Um, so to, to very, to begin with, obviously I had to have an idea of what, um, degree I needed. I knew I needed to go to university, um, degree, uh, three-year degree in sports science. And then I've done an additional qualification or several qualifications in, uh, massage therapy. Um, but, uh, to be able to get obviously to university, you have to work out what A-levels you're going to do. And to get to that point where you're at college and work out what A-levels you need, you also need to work out what GCSEs you have to have. So for me, I had a very direct route that I mapped out um to know exactly what subjects and what um what grades I would have to get from GCSE all the way up to degree level to be able to yeah to begin to do the job that I'm doing today yeah I'm gonna jump in Chloe because I also did a sport and exercise science degree I just graduated last year so hearing that other people have done it too is really interesting do you think that that really helped sort of set you up for where you wanted to go yeah yeah, definitely. Um, definitely, I would say that it gives you the foundation, the base level of understanding of how the human body and the human mind works. Um, 
but to be able obviously to put it into practice in a sport that's very specific and very niche like bike racing um you have to go into the arena to be able to hone in your skills and the things things that you learn so for me it was very important even from a young age to be in and around paddocks and, and different championships and things like that to kind of get a really good understanding of the foundations of the sport as a whole so that you can then understand where your where your rider is coming from yeah so after university you became self-employed how did you make the decision to take the big step and is it the only way you could become a human performance coach um so so back then there wasn't necessarily a job role for me to go into that was advertised if that makes sense so for me, it was kind of a case of take the risk. What have you got to lose? Set up your own business and just go for it. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you don't try, you'll never know. And that's always kind of been my mentality going into everything. Like take the risk, try it, evaluate it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, choose a different trajectory to get to where you want to go. So for me, it was a really easy decision setting up on my own. Really easy. Yeah, and I suppose then at that young age, coming straight out of university, how did you go about then sort of taking that step on your own, if you can sort of <laughs> describe that to us? Yeah, yeah. So um, pretty much uh, I finished university. I went to Africa for a little bit, climbed Kilimanjaro, came back. Oh. And it was about a week after that I then graduated and so in that week, I think I probably sent about three, four hundred emails just introducing myself to riders that I was aware of, but didn't know personally, teams that I was aware of and didn't know personally. Um, you, you know, anyone, everyone that was connected to motorsport, I could find an email address for because like Facebook kind of wasn't a thing back then. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't do your uh, you couldn't do your networking on, on social media. And I just relentlessly every day sent emails until one day I got a reply. Amazing. <laughs> Sounds similar to us, even on social media these days. You have to just message every single person a million times just to try and get yeah. anything done. You just have to have that relentless attitude, yeah. you know what I mean? Like every every no is one step closer to a yes, you know. Yeah. And um every time you get a rejection letter as well, you're one step closer to getting getting your job. You just have to redefine that uh, rejection, let's just say, so to speak, yeah. and just be like, okay, maybe I need to do this instead. Maybe instead until you get the results that you, you really want. Um, you've mentioned previously that you've worked with riders in motorcycle racing, but also with drivers in car racing. Does it make a difference in your job when you work with someone who is on two wheels rather than on four? Yeah, definitely. So um, I think the, the main difference is the uh, effect that racing has on the body between athletes who are racing uh, in cars and athletes that are racing on motorbikes. So uh, typically with uh, car drivers, more often we're working a lot on the top of the body and the lower back due to the G-force that they're experiencing, obviously, in the car, but also the pressure that their pelvic area is being put on put under when they're driving also, being pushed back into the seat. Um, with motorcycle athletes, it's completely different from track to track to track normally as, as well. But um, yeah, with 
normally um, dealing with a lot more complex injuries as well because in a car obviously you've got the privilege of a, of a roll cage which reduces the amount of significant injuries an athlete is likely to have obviously um in bike racing sometimes that or obviously that's not the case you, you don't have that so um there's definitely two different dynamics that we work with so there is a definite difference in terms of the physicality of, of the athletes that you're working with so in your like a normal day working what sort of tasks would you be doing okay so um so my work obviously happens uh, like behind the scenes um so over a typical day I would tend to tend to wake up early we come to the track as a team um normally as soon as the athletes arrive we then have a little bit of a chat or we make a plan of action for the day um depending on the track and the situation that we find ourselves in some riders may choose to have a treatment before they go out um a massage treatment before um the first session of the day after the first session we come and we debrief so after the athletes spend a bit of time debriefing with their personal crew chiefs i'll then spend a little bit of time with them as well in their office and we'll do a personal debrief of one another and then we make a plan of action based on that um, for the second session of the day at the end of the day um, we'll tend to typically do as well a bit of a end of day debrief and uh, sort of a more thorough treatment um, massage treatment on uh, the guys and then that is kind of replicated for the next couple of days in, in the build up build up to the race yeah do you think then that between say free practice on Friday to the race on Sunday would that change ever so slightly in sort of how you're speaking with each other or do your days sort of stay quite similar between say practice day and race day because of the nature and the structure of the actual championship in terms of format in terms of timing it's pretty much the same every single weekend so we typically tend to stay at the same time doing the same thing obviously if there was something to happen an incident or something unpredictable unpredictable that's happened of course we'll sometimes go out of routine but uh, more often than not we stick to the for the same schedule because the track action is based on the same schedule yeah definitely I suppose then that sort of leads into how important do you think it is to have a good personal relationship with the riders that you're working with I'm sure you spend a lot of time with each other yeah, definitely. So the biggest thing that you have to build up with any athlete that you work with is rapport. If you don't have a good rapport with your athlete, then um, they don't trust you. Yeah. Okay, to, to do the to do the best job that that you can. Um, so it's really important, definitely in the foundations of either joining a team or working with a new athlete or whatever that is, to really establish the relationship and the bond between the two of you. Um, definitely, or certainly, in my experience, the the those sorts of the greater the bond and the more that you build that foundation uh relationship with your athlete uh the better you do work together in terms of like longevity uh so yes it's very very important in my opinion to have a really good relationship with the athlete that you're working with um you're helping your clients with both the mental side with the mindset coaching and the physical side with the massage therapy how do you combine both of these things are you scheduling it separately or while you're massaging you're just giving them a therapy session for lack of better words yeah no so it definitely depends on the athlete um so some athletes prefer to do the two combined um other athletes prefer to have a designated time for each um, so yeah, it completely goes with what is most beneficial for the athlete. So would you say 
Is there more of a demand for mindset coaching now compared to 13 years ago when you started in this industry? Um, I definitely think that there's a better understanding of uh, mindset coaching now than there was 13 years ago. Um, so I think younger athletes now that are coming into the sport are potentially a little bit more aware of the power of the mind and how it can affect performance. Um, I think that's something that's probably introduced them at a much younger age than um, potentially previously. Um, so definitely within my line of work, I have seen uh, definitely a bigger interest um, as we've, we've moved forward through the seasons. And on weekdays or on weeks where there are no where there's no racing, do you still have to be like in close proximity of your clients or do you do some coaching online? Yeah, definitely. So athletes are athletes 365 days a year. Um, so we obviously have to look after those guys um throughout the off season as well as pre-season and also during the race season. Um, so when we're away, obviously we're all based typically in different countries or different areas. Um, we tend to do our um, our chats and our sessions on Zoom or Skype or WhatsApp, um, and we can do them from anywhere in the world at any time. Obviously, that's one really great thing about the world of technology as it is today is that it doesn't matter if an athlete's at an airport, we can do a session, or an athlete's traveling on the road and they're in the back of the van, we can we can do a session, or we can do it in their own home. So that's definitely one thing that's um, super useful is uh, yeah the availability to do it anywhere, anytime. Yeah, definitely. I suppose then maybe with the physical side of things, is that slightly different with the, the massage and stuff like that? Have you ever been sort of flown out or had to come quick to sort of deal with clients before? Yeah, definitely. So um, if an athlete ha is typically coming back from a major trauma or a, an incident that has affected the body in, in a substantial way, uh, quite often I'll be asked to attend whatever the circuit is that they may be there testing out or their first race uh, weekend or race meeting, depending on the sport. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely not uncommon to get the phone call um, a few times, probably in a season to go, I need your help. Can you be here tomorrow? And yeah, as long as I can make it, I go. That's part and parcel of the sport. So does that mean that you're going to every single race on the calendar or are you only there when needed? Um, no, so this season, every single race, I will be in attendance. Brilliant. I suppose it's good to have you on hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quickly when needed. Yeah, well, well, that's it. Obviously, the unpredictable uh, yeah. nature obviously, of the sport means that we can't always... Um, understand or know what's going to happen before the event so we tend to work on a, a prevention not cure situation so we do everything that we can to make sure that the athletes and the team as a whole obviously because the team will have to be physically physically fit too and when we're on the road the whole time um you know we work long hours we travel long hours sometimes we're in different time zones sometimes that takes an effect on the body as much for the team as it, as it does the athlete so um yeah I'm always here and I'm ha on hand to help whoever needs me at whatever time yeah definitely and then I suppose obviously working with the American racing team is that solely who you focus on this year or are you able to sort of talk with other clients or do you have other clients outside of what you're doing at the minute with the American racing team so obviously my focus is on American racing. I do have um, a treatment room back home in the UK where um, I work with other athletes away from my commitments uh, to obviously the Moto2 Championship. Um, yeah, 
So I am pretty much here most of the time, but when I do have the opportunity to be in the UK, then I can see my clients um, from other sports and other disciplines um, there as well. Um, obviously, you mentioned that it's your first year with the American racing team. How did you start this relationship and are you only working on the riders or, or also like with other team members who might have a small injury here or there <laughs> um so how it all started is um, i'm sure you're very aware of um the rider john hopkins um so John and I um, have known each other since 2015. He very kindly invited me um, last year to Silverstone and uh, for the GP there, uh, just to come and see what he was doing now, post his retirement from being an athlete. And um, yeah, from, from there on, we're together with the team, continued uh, you know, to keep in contact with them. And then towards the end of the season, uh, yeah, we we started talking and I was yeah offered a job which is cool <laughs> brilliant and then sort of the second part then is you did sort of mention that it's other people in the team as well that you maybe deal with as well do you like work with the mechanics as well in terms of like if they yeah. have an issue do they come to you and be like oh here I have like a wee, a wee niggle here or if their mindset or they sort of need talking through because you know they have to like repair bikes they have to think on their feet and be very quick and I suppose that's something that maybe many people wouldn't think of are they also sort of looking for your resources as such I know definitely so um particularly let's if we talk about the physiological side of things um as I mentioned earlier like it's really physically demanding to be on the road the whole time so yeah. we're currently recording this when we're at Assen um so we have just done the first triple of the year it's round eight um, a lot of people have been away from home for a long time physically just unloading a lorry building a garage putting a lorry back down again traveling being on planes all of those sorts of things have a demand on the body and also the mind so um of course if anyone in the team um needs a little bit of help to make sure that they're firing on all cylinders and and feeling 100 percent, then i can help them whenever they need it this leads perfect into our next question and that's like how does the constant change of environment affect you you're doing a lot of traveling sometimes you have to answer to really short notice calls and you're working with new clients or in different racing series how does this like yeah which impact has this all on you on me personally um, yeah so I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good at traveling which is good you have, to, you have to love to travel I think to definitely be involved at motorsport at this level um to me traveling just brings me a lot of joy so I really love the element um I also like the intensity of the work I'm, I'm one of these people that likes to keep busy the whole time as well so I feel like I thrive more in uh pressured in, environments um but of course like you you also have the other side of, of racing that probably a lot of people don't talk about is those long periods away from home, which can be difficult. You know, I, I have a family at home that I have to say goodbye to every time I come away here. And, you know, sometimes I might not see them for a month, six weeks, whatever that might be when, when we're on the road. Um, and that can be tricky. So you definitely have to do your due diligence and work out a way of making sure that everything is balanced whether that's um for me to try and balance myself I really have to have a good night's sleep 
So um, definitely some of my teammates probably think I'm a bit of a grandma when I'm going to bed super early. But for me, I have to have that to, to recover, to be on fire and to be on form the next day. Um, making sure that we eat well when we're on the road as well. We're, we're really fortunate. We have a great hospitality unit that offers really great, healthy food. Um, but to be conscious of what you're eating and also your hydration and stuff like that, um, those are just all things that you consider. And I think they're definitely things that you learn um, as you move forward your career, move forward with your career in motorsport. They definitely take time. I wasn't always good at managing myself, if, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it definitely um, definitely is is a balance. But once you've mastered that, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I can imagine it's it's been quite intense so far already this season. I'm sure the second half of the season seems quite daunting like you mentioned it's already the first triple header of the season thankfully we are heading into a summer break but then a a jam-packed second half of the season do you sort of implement your own like what you're telling your clients do you try and implement those sorts of things in your own lifestyle considering that you're all traveling sort of on the, the a very similar basis would you take a lot of that sort of stuff on yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, like you have to practice what you preach. Yeah. Day, you know, like it's no good for me to say to an athlete, okay, you need to make sure that you're doing this um, in your recovery or you make sure that you're, um, you're you're doing this in preparation for this round. If I'm not doing it myself um, or doing my version of what's most beneficial for me. So um, if we could t- talk in terms of physicality, like one thing that I would do every day to make sure that I'm prepared for the next day of racing is massage, uh, massage my arms, massage my hands and my fingers, because those are the things that I'm using every day. If I don't come in feeling 100%, I can't give my all to the to the guys and the athletes that we're working with in the team. So that's one thing that we manage. Again, I mentioned it earlier about healthy eating, making sure that I have a, have enough sleep. Those are all things that go into elite high level performance um, that need to be considered. Um, those are things that I also consider for myself too. So um, yeah, I like to, to think that I practice what I preach a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or at and least I, try to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And then I suppose like, on the more sort of the mindset training as well because that's something that really intrigues me on that are you able to sort of explain sort of what is mindset training and what are you sort of selling out for each of your clients like what does it entail as such yeah okay so um we're going to be super general when we talk about this yeah um yeah so mindset training is basically the effect that your thoughts have on performance yeah uh, mindset training and, and mental toughness training um utilizes the techniques um mindset techniques that can go in and change those thought processes and and, and behaviors to to make a better outcome out on a racetrack or you know whatever that might be playing guitar making a business choice whatever, whatever that is um so there are multiple different techniques that um that we can use if i talk about one that i tend to to use a lot myself um so one thing that I think about when I'm working with an athlete or it, working with uh yeah with an athlete is is the 
self-talk element so yeah. we have a continuous inner, inner voice so we need to obviously make sure that that's working for us not against us and you know for me personally there are there are probably days where I'm like do you know what I'm just having a bad day like things aren't going well and I have to just use the techniques that I would also implement to an athlete to be like actually this is the reality of the situation. This is what's true. This is what's accurate. This is what's correct. The thing that I think was thinking previously that was negative isn't. Let's fire up and let's go. Um, so yeah, it's it's understanding the thought processes and then utilizing techniques to change those thought um thought processes for better performances. Yeah. Yeah. I did a bit of psychology at um university and I really enjoyed the course but I was terrible at it like I don't like in my exams and stuff like that really bad so hearing you say that obviously the likes of like self-talk I imagine maybe like the imagery and stuff like that as well is also some of the things that you do is there anything else um or other techniques or could you list out some of the techniques that you would maybe use yeah uh, day to day so um just as you mentioned visualization is a really important thing for any athlete but I think in particular for a racing athlete yeah um being able to see yourself perform something in a certain way or achieving a certain thing is so so valuable um another technique so we've got we've got goal setting okay so making sure that you have um goals for the race season but also goals for each session you know that's super important too um self-talk that we've we've already spoken about using things like affirmations and statements dealing with stress um how to use it to your advantage is a really important thing um understanding what motivates an athlete and how we can uh facilitate an environment that helps promote motivation is also really important um communication is a big thing too okay how do we communicate with one another how are we um trusting and building rapport with one another that's also super important too so there are so so many techniques and some things work for some riders and some things don't for others, right? Um, and it's a case of establishing what works and utilizing that, um, you know, away from the circuit and then bringing it to the circuit and utilizing it there as well. Yeah. Does every rider or every team in the paddock have a human performance coach on hand? Because I imagine it is a very important job, but you don't often hear about the job itself. Mm. Yeah, so I don't believe there are many of us <laughs> um, currently specialising in motorsport, um, but it is um, definitely something I think that um, is growing, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like um, over the last couple of years, a lot of people have talked about seeing sports psychologists, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I really like the sound of this, you know, the mindset coaching and, and that idea and that you're there week in, week out. And it's it's more of a constant. It's not just a one and done and a, a problem is fixed. It's, it's, you know, mindset coaching in my eyes, it's something maybe that it needs to be a constant. It's something that you're always working on. Is that how you obviously view that? It, it is something that, you know, you said an athlete works 365 days of the year. Your mind also works 365 days of the year. Yeah, so exactly that. So as I mentioned earlier, I kind of work on the basis of prevention, not cure, because 
in any sport, an incident of some description that can come and uh, cause a ripple effect on performance is likely to happen at some point within your career. So if we've made sure that we're as prepared um, for that situation happening as possible, it's much better and easier to bounce back from, from that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's working on it constantly, tweaking and adapting it, making sure that we work on the things and the, and, uh, so things that are strengths for athletes and also the things that are weaknesses. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's super important and it has to be treated almost like a physical training regime, you know, so we have to keep working on it to maintain it. If we work on it for a bit and it does, it does as well and we, and we park it, then the likelihood is that maybe we start to see a depreciation in, in, in performance. So we keep maintaining it, we keep it at a good level, we keep seeking uh, you know, marginal gains from here, there and everywhere, we build the strengths up as much as we build the weaknesses, then the aim is to always build a trajectory of an increased performance. I imagine it is very important also for a rider to have like a very neutral voice, because you on one side you have the fans and all the people around it that Uh, watching the sport who are giving their opinions on the other side you do have your crew chiefs and your managers who of course are very focused on performance but I feel like it's sometimes like sitting in between two chairs so it is important to have someone who will just be very objective yeah no definitely and it's it's to provide a listening ear as well mm. you know to have those moments in the day where we just sit down and we go okay talk um and to kind of yeah not because I don't have a, a racing background myself in terms of I've never I've never raced motorbikes I've had a go I'm terrible at it which is why <laughs> um but yeah just to almost have like a middle person that people can talk to um athletes can talk to so that we can then create a, a plan of action for the next next stages whether that means we go and talk to the crew chiefs like you guys said or we go and talk to this person or that person um so I always keep myself like at the back of the garage if you know what I mean it's it's not my place to be like okay why don't you consider doing this on the bike because that's that's not that's not my job so I do always consciously try and keep very separated for, from that um and like you said provide a very just neutral listening listening ear Yeah, I heard someone once say that sort of the the noise created by fans and stuff like that, like outside noises, that riders and athletes need to just turn down the noise and focus on like one thing or their one goal or whatever it is that you're you're practicing with them. Would that be an accurate description of sort of how you would want to go about doing doing the job and working with the athlete? Turn down what's going on out there. Or maybe what's happened on track or, okay, something's bad happened. Let's forget about that and think about now how we're going to improve on this and, and work on this. Yeah, so any situation that happens, I think it's really important to learn from. So it's, yeah. whether that's positive or negative, you have to take the teaching away yeah. from that. Whether that's... Um, yeah something to do with, with the crowd or the fans perhaps a rider has read something what have we learned from that what do we now have to implement to make sure that that doesn't happen again and what do we need to make sure that, that what we do in the future to make sure that um that's then consistent you know um so I think 
that's super important, taking away the teachings and the learnings from an event and implementing a strategy to make sure that the consistency um, is carried forward throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Honestly, all of this sounds like I need to hire you. And <laughs> even though I'm nowhere near an athlete, but it sounds like a person that I need in my life. <laughs> I just find topics like this so interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on slightly before we keep you here for hours asking you model no, 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 questions. Um, to focus them back in on working within motorsport, what mm. are the most in qual- what are the most important qualities a person needs to work in motorsport, in your opinion, or what would help someone be able so to work in the paddock? Yeah, you have to be mega passionate about. Yeah. The- you're doing obviously you have to be firstly really passionate about the sport which I am um, but also really passionate about the job that you're doing too and um, so I think the combination of those two things is super super important um, but you also just have to have an attitude of um, my, my personal opinion is, is have an attitude that there is always something to learn and there's always something new that you can try to implement so f- for me in the job that I do I dedicate 30 minutes every single day to trying to learn something new about the role that I that I have so whether that's reading a recently published journal on massage cream or you know or something like that or reading an article on a study that's been done hockey players about um communication or what whatever that might be so never sit still always continue to learn because there's always something new out there which might help an athlete that you either work with currently or in the future so I think that's that's my biggest thing um always keep learning keep moving and always keep striving towards your goal um what would you say is the easiest way to connect with people who are already working in motorsport and you might need an opinion on the job or you just want to make connections to make the start easier so do you mean if you're looking to work in the industry how would you be connect um so so i think nowadays it's probably changed a little bit so it's it's probably not firing a thousand emails to people like when i started um but i think firstly just being in the paddock you know and then coming as a spectator and you know everyone's super friendly here like everyone is more than willing to give five minutes of their time during the day to talk to people talk to fans talk to people who are looking to have careers here so i definitely think um yeah showing up and um making the conscious efforts to introduce yourself is super important um aside from that there are definitely um certainly different forums online now on facebook and things like that where you can connect with other people that already are working within the industry um There's uh, two in particular on Facebook that I can think of, which are really good groups that posting jobs up regularly. Um, But yeah, I I think the the, the main thing is is being here and surrounding yourself with like, you know, like-minded people and making those those contacts and opening the communication pathway by physically introducing yourself. I think that's, yeah, really, really important yeah building connections as such is a is a massive thing we've even noticed that ourselves the amount yeah. of people we do mention you can ask Josie we emailed back and forth loads before <laughs> sorting this out so emails are still uh, a good way to to get yeah, yeah. Uh, well that's it and it's and it's doing uh 
what feels comfortable for you as well um but also pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because nothing changes unless you change okay so if you're at home and you're firing emails and you're not getting a response maybe the next step is to connect to a Facebook group or maybe the next step is to connect with someone in person so it's also to not be disheartened when you maybe don't get the feedback that you want it's how can we now utilize a different avenue to create the connection and the contact that we we wanted for the future yeah definitely and then our last main question that we have for you is do you have any advice for people who maybe want to work in motorsport or particularly want to look down the route of being a human performance coach within motorsport? Yeah, so I would say um, to anyone looking to go into into this line of work or in motorsport in general is don't listen to the opinions of others <laughs> too much. <laughs> yes. um, certainly when I started out, um, there were probably a lot of friends um, and people that were very close to me that were maybe a little bit confused. Like, why do you want to go into to motorsport? Well, that's, not a, that's not a job, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, and I think, I think what drives um, comments like that is fear because a lot of uh, a lot of people perhaps would like to go into 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 roles or their or their dream jobs and perhaps a little bit of fear is is holding them back so i would say try not to listen to naysayers make a strategic plan of action reverse engineer what you want so um you know previously i mentioned about reverse engineering what I needed to do at university then what I needed to do at college what I needed to do at GCSE level make yourself a plan of action where do you want to go start that at the top of the pyramid and then work your way down the next steps to help you get up that ladder um so yeah that would be that would be my advice always just believe in yourself you can totally do anything that you want to do everything is what I call figure outable don't know if that's a real word or not but um everything can be done you uh you just have to have a good strategy and a good approach and attitude towards reaching it yeah definitely that's a fantastic piece of advice I feel like I'm gonna like soak this all in and and take it on myself now I feel like I'm getting a session here I feel really like positive after speaking with you more mindset coaches in the paddock then I think that is what we're taking away from this and for people who maybe haven't heard of this role before I hope that this maybe enlightens some other people and opens people's eyes that this is something that needs to be taken quite seriously and that it is something that works and we should all be implementing into our everyday lives not just elite athletes you know we can all take a a leaf out of this book and you implement some of these things in your everyday life so we should be doing similar things as well so yeah, we're going to jump into a few wee quick fire questions though, because we do like doing this and you've called yourself a bit of a motorsport fan. So we always like um, doing these quick fire questions because we always just think they're a bit of fun and something not too serious then after after our chats. So I'm going to jump straight in with our first quick fire question as fast as you can to answer. Okay, um, cool. As a fan, from a fan perspective, I suppose, as someone who enjoys watching racing, do you prefer watching quality or watching the race? Race. Mm-hmm. Um, dry or wet race? Dry. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> I love a bit of rain. <laughs> Makes things more interesting. Um, 
would you prefer more corner speed or more top speed corner speed and what is your favorite track to watch to travel to everything <laughs> uh, Porto Mayo mm. oh it looks really nice in fairness the Algarve yeah. is such a nice place as well I love <laughs> Portugal <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to yeah. go. <laughs> awesome track, great facilities as well, and it's in a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, definitely. I suppose then, actually, I'm going to throw in an extra one. Which circuit are you most looking forward to in the second second half of the season? Indonesia. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Looking that. <laughs> what would you say is your proudest career moment? Watching my first ever athlete get their first ever win. Oh, that's lovely. That's really, really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is your sports idol? Do you have a, a sports idol or even just an idol in general? Oh, I I would say an idol in general for me is Stephen Bartlett. Um, I, yeah, really like his story, um, how he progressed and had sort of like this um, never give up attitude um, to, to start from where he was to... To, to build an, an empire um, you know where he is right now is something that he was really passionate about um so yeah and in the sporting world there there are probably probably several um but I I you know I draw a lot of motivation from watching Paralympic athletes yeah. That's um from my time in university I was really fortunate to, to have um, done some coaching with the Paralympic uh, wheelchair basketball team at my university and just listening to some of their stories and um, how some of them were able to overcome adversity and stuff like that. I, I love it I'm, I'm so fortunate I got to go to the Paralympic Games in 2012 in London wow. and I've been several um, different Paralympic athletic events since world championships and, and stuff like that um I'm just so inspired by what I see there I I it, it like chokes me up thinking yeah of the stuff that I've seen so um I love an underdog story yes yeah. as, as the athletes that made me have um you know maybe not come from um the best backgrounds and things like that who then go on to reach their dreams like it brings me a lot of joy <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's also giving you an entire new perspective on human performance itself and what the human body is able to do, even if it isn't able-bodied anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. Honestly, I mean, I could talk about the whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, you're always welcome to come back <laughs> we can talk about that sometime if you want we, we'll talk about anything so okay so if you were a rider who would you want as your teammate in MotoGP and what bike would you want to be on so I think I'd like my teammate to be Jack Miller. Oh, he's a popular yeah. answer. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jack Miller, I think he's uh, definitely a cool guy. Um, I've said hello to him a few times in the paddock um, this year. He, um, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's an exceptional athlete. Um, and also I think one that you would learn a lot from. Yeah. Um, I, what bike would I be on? I think the Ducati. Yeah, <laughs> there is no other possible answer this year. It's hard to look past. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, this might be the hardest question of the entire interview. Yeah. But who's going to win 
all of the championships in like Moto GP, Moto Two, Moto Three? Um, honestly, I, I don't like to make presumptions. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna leave that one wide <laughs> okay. open. Okay. How the season unfolds. Yeah, well, this time last year, if you look what was happening in the MotoGP Championship and then how it turned out, who are we to start making predictions on what's going to happen? Everything could change. So yeah. I think you're just right in saying that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by <rats>. yeah. <laughs> it would be bold to be making predictions at this point. But I think that is everything for today. I would just want to say a massive thank you, Jen, for joining us. And yeah, we had a fantastic time speaking with you. If people want to find out a little bit more about you, can they go somewhere to do that? Yeah, of course. Um, so probably the, the best option is to um, contact me by Instagram on my business page. So my handle is at Full Throttle Motorsport. Um, yeah, if not, just just Google my name, um, Jennifer Duffy, and my website will come up there. Perfect. Well, once again, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule, I imagine. But that is everything for this week's episode. And we will be back next week with another one.